This is the Headbangers Almanac. Welcome to the Headbangers Almanac. My name is Will. As always, I am haunted by my fellow metalhead from across the pond. Say hello, Raph. Hello, Raph. I hope that was haunting enough. It, <laughs> it never gets old, and that was definitely haunting enough. Very good. Uh, I'm going to add a little section to the beginning of our pod- podcast, by the way. I'm just going to call it business. It's all that mumbo jumbo that we have to get through before we start our actual shit. <laughs> It's business. It's where we all count our like like fifties and hundreds and whatnot. Coins, right? Fifty cent coins and, and exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got. So we are on the tweeter. I don't know if you know that, but I did start a tweeter account. I'm I'm gonna try to be more active with it because I'm not active with my own Twitter. So I'll yeah, try to be problem. more active with the <laughs> yeah. So I'll try to be more active with our the with the show's account, and that is just Metal Almanac uh, at Metal Almanac. So I I was told I'm supposed to spread that around. The only reason why it's not Headbangers Almanac is because it's too many characters. Headbangers Almanac was more than 15 characters. So so it's just Metal Almanac, no spaces, like like a Twitter name does. I don't know. I've never Twittered before. So so I'm excited. (laughs) Go to at Metal Almanac, share it around, follow Friday, all that other good happy stuff. Yeah. Last episode, you brought to my attention, there was a couple of notes that it seemed very choppy. And when I say choppy, like it was just cut up, like really bad. I have an explanation for that. I'm going to blame the editor. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) I know that his mentality is to cut out the hard inhales because we both breathe in pretty hard when we're talking um so i cut those out i cut out Mm. long pauses uh just Mm. just for brevity's sake because we talk a lot so i want to get as much of that talking in as possible uh and then i filter out any other gross mouth noises mostly coming from me that don't get captured by the uh what do you call that the noise gate there so I, i have to cut those out uh and then i've i've even last episode, I got I got told they appreciated the extra beer tab opens. They noticed a couple of beer tab opens, like yeah. so. So I gave those in. I, I left those in because I was like, "That's the show. We're gonna open up beers during the show. Let's let's keep those in." So let's do something for the people. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Here you go. That's That's fan service, isn't it? Honestly, we should just have like compilations of like all your beer tab opens at the beginning of like just just 10 minutes of just beer tab (laughs) opens or something yeah maybe so what had happened by the way is i was cutting off a section where you paused it was like a two second pause and i cut yours off i didn't cut mine off Mm. so what was happening was as i was listening to the rest of the show it felt like you were interrupting me literally every sentence. And I'm like, this motherfucker won't let me get a word in edgewise. Like, he just keeps <laughs> fucking talking over me. Which, to be fair, is exactly <laughs> what I do. <laughs> Most of the time. But it was like, in, like, and probably my slowest effort to edit. Like, it took me all day to edit fucking last week's show. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pissed off. And now I'm even more pissed off because... <laughs> This guy's fucking taking over the show, and I can't stand for this. So, so I'm over here trying to edit out all the talkovers, and I get to the end of the episode, and then I find out that I actually brought you in five second, two to five seconds earlier than I did. 
And so I'm like, oh, that fucking makes more sense now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, I'm, well, I'm definitely trying to take over the show. That's not the point, but not that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm like, it's too late to go back. And I mean, I, you literally missed out on maybe like, I don't, I don't think it would affect the show at all to bring those back in. So I, maybe if it's a bribe, maybe if we do the Patreon thing, I can get the on cut thing. Uh, you know, the Snyder cut version of that episode maybe put out, but suddenly it will be like five hours. <laughs> it's like, where the hell did all this audio come from? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I, I just, you know, you guys aren't missing much. I, I'm aware of it. I'm my, I've, I've warned Raph. I'm my hardest critic. So, I mean, I, noticed it way before it went out and then for someone else to pick up on the same thing i think it's just refreshing it just lets me know that yeah i'm listening i'm hearing the same thing you are i get it it sounded very rushed near the end and now you know why uh maybe if we make enough money we can hire an actual editor and i don't have to deal with it anymore but until that happens you're stuck with my shitty editing abilities and and to be fair it's not that we need to pay them like actually wages to do that it's all that we have to pay them damages because they have to listen to all the stuff oh we're my saying. god yeah uh, the therapy lesson or therapy uh, uh sessions yeah. that they would have to go through because uh it's rough yeah. uh yeah. and then <laughs> Last thing before we get into the meat of things is we're on a break. I I, I can't believe I, I have a show that I can actually say that, but this will be the last podcast of the year. Uh, I'm sorry that we leave on 72, but we're going to take off Christmas week and New Year's week and come back fresh and hit up 72 uh, in, in 2022. So that that's the plan. Yes. That sounds like a plan. That's that's what we're going to do right before I leave for Finland, because I'm going to Helsinki to talk about inequality and representation um, of minorities, hmm. I think. Something like that for a week. And I'll also meet with people from my label and have beers and make plans for the next year, nice. I think. <laughs> if the plague allows. So on our break, by the way, I will be listening to a shit ton of music, so I'm ahead of the curb. I will also be launching our YouTube at that point, because it has not been done yet, but I will definitely spend some time and, and get the YouTube channel up and running. And then, like I said, we're returning on 1-9-2022, so enjoyed this little bit longer episode uh, than definitely last week's, but probably our longest episode, because we're going to have seven fucking albums to talk about today. So. Exactly. So what you, what you should all do is basically go back to all your wish lists to Santa, fill out with all the albums that we're talking about today, hand them in again, <laughs> press express delivery, right? get those records on Christmas, and then listen to all of them. And then you're all caught up when we come back and talk about new albums that you all need to go and buy, right. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with it. I, I definitely support this. Uh, we also charge a 10% finder's fee for telling you to buy all these albums. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've got this like <laughs> affiliate thing with Santa going yeah. on. <laughs> So this episode's huge, and we're gonna. Uh, I, I it was obviously uh, you dropped two names last episode. It was Uriah Heap, and you also dropped uh, Jethro Tull, Aqualung. That we had to. I always drop Jethro Tull. Right. <laughs> we had to listen to him. Uh, we are starting out with Uriah Heap because they actually come out prior to any of the albums that we planned mm -hmm. on talking about. So Salisbury. Uriah Heap is not in the archives. Raph decided he wanted to call an audible, and we're going to talk about Salisbury. But I'm going to call an audible to the audible, right? 
And uh, I am the one who is calling the audible. And we're actually going to start talking about Very Heavy, Very Humble uh, from 1970 because we completely missed their first album. Yeah. That is sad indeed. It is sad after I listened to it. I'm like, how the fuck did we skip this? This is amazing. June 19th, 1970, eight tracks, 40 minutes, seven seconds long. Uh, Spotify has the, if I have the version correct, it's the... 2016 Sanctuary Super Deluxe Extended Version that includes literally everything except the three-minute single version of Gypsy. That's what it has. Literally every fucking song tied to that that album is on Spotify, except for the single version of Gypsy, which I don't know why they took out three minutes of the song Gypsy, but they did uh, on the single version, and, and we don't get to listen to that. And you shouldn't. You should not listen to the shortened version of Gypsy. Of Gypsy. But you should definitely go and listen to the long version because Gypsy is such an amazing song. And if you go and listen to Gypsy and you don't feel like this is like where like a lot of like heavy metal and power metal comes from, you're missing out. I mean, that stuff, like it's so, I mean, it says very heavy, very humble, right? But it is absolutely fucking heavy. Oh, like yeah. That, 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 that organ. <laughs> that mighty organ is so fucking powerful it's so good uh we did have a slight uh difference in versions mm-hmm. uh you guys actually get lucy blues mm-hmm. um we got bird of prey on our version now the one on spotify actually has lucy blues on there which is fine which is interesting because bird of prey shows up on salisbury again yes and it's also the b-side of gypsy so yeah. like like we are overwhelmed with the birds of prey uh so so i'm i'd much rather have the lucy blues version of the album mm-hmm. but if you get the american version hey you just get another copy of uh birds of prey how bad is yeah, that exactly but like especially gypsy as a single is one of those very iconic early uriah heap songs that ex- explain why i would always call like uriah heap an important band when it comes to heavy metal it's got like the guitars it's got that very very heavy organ sound oh yeah it's like just like punches you in the gut in like a way that is like so like i've seen uriah heap live a couple of times and like they're really good still. I mean, it's, it's only Mick Box and like other people that have been in the band, like some of them for like 20 years. So, you know, but it's still like from the original band, it's only Mick Box is still left. Uh, but it's like, they're like very, very powerful still. Like, And then I have like my friends from Witchwood from Italy that are an, an amazing band. If you ever like enter like Jeff Rotol and Uriah Heap, I want to hear something new, go and check out Witchwood from Italy. And uh, yeah, they have like two albums and a weird mix album that has like some cover songs. They have like an amazing cover of Flaming Telepaths by um, Blue Oyster Cult on that one. Uh, anyway, my point is Witchwood covered Gypsy Live as well. It's like... If you're in like an in a live concert situation and they start playing gypsy and you have that like sort of staccato organ and guitar locked in this bam 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 it's so fucking good it's so it yeah it, it just like completely flattens you it's so good <laughs> the only other note that i would make about having mm-hmm. bird of prey on the album instead of lucy box is that mm-hmm. uh or i'm sorry lucy blues why don't i say lucy box lucy blues is that i think two or three tracks down the album you have i'll keep on trying which really sounds like a yeah. slowed down version of birds of prey and yeah. in fact there's a there's a lot of borrowed notes from yeah. Birds of Prey. So it would have been a nice flow, but mm-hmm. I completely understand why they left it off for, for us or for you guys 
I understand why they why they left off Birds of Prey. Especially we're gonna get three more versions of that song. So well, it's, it's like it's it's one of those like situations where you realize that like albums are released fairly quickly one after the other, and you have like a, a pool of songs and you record some of them and then you start writing new songs, and then the album gets licensed for the US market and they're like, We're gonna change something right. to you know make it worthwhile buying instead of like the import version from the UK, which to be fair was at the time not yet a European version, but it was like a UK version. And uh, they're like, yeah, we have this new song, so let's put that one on. <laughs> and then everyone's like, okay, so we should also put out like like a single. It's like, let's take Gypsy. It's like, what can we use as like a B-side for a single that's international? It's like, let's put on like Birds of Prey again, because it's kind of new for the people in the UK. And, you know, that's right. how that kind of stuff works, because you, you move on so quickly from album to album at that time compared to nowadays that you have that sort of like stuff showing up on one album, then showing up on a this on a different album in a different region and stuff like that, I right. guess. Um, from there, we move on to January of 1971 or February 12th of 1971 or January 12th of 1971. Who knows? But Salisbury. Salisbury finally comes out then. Six tracks, 38 minutes, 19 seconds long. And again, this is the 2016 Sanctuary expanded deluxe version mm. with two Snyder cuts of the title track. Because I don't know if you know this, the title track is already almost Super 17 long. fucking minutes long. <laughs> and somehow on this expanded version they're like we're gonna make it longer yeah. i have I've, I've got salisbury in like a gatefold vinyl edition like an old that i bought like secondhand for i don't know five bucks or something like that and yeah it, it's almost like an entire vinyl side actually <laughs> it's, it's the whole album like you just get a double sided or you get two two discs or whatever and the, the first is the first five songs and you just get the salisbury's the whole second disc that's that's basically what it is yes <laughs> there's like there's and that's like super fascinating if you guys want to look it up there's um an alternative cover that looks extremely dark and brutal it's like all like red and black and a person like crucified to a tree and like not nailed but like kind of tied to a tree kind of thing that looks extremely brutal and it's like an alternative cover that came out back then i think and it was for us yeah because you guys got the The u.s uh, that's the u.s cover is so fucking dark and metal (laughs) you get the tank and we get the fucking dude ripping out of his own skin that's what it is he's ripping out of his skin it's fucking metal as fuck (laughs) yeah i mean i not that the tank is not metal but the dude ripping out of his skin is incredibly insane also, get out of my head, because that was literally my next note, was the different <laughs> album covers. I'm like, okay, now we're solidifying why you're part of the show, because I was the first thing I was going to bring up was the American art, as opposed yeah. to the tank. And I'm like, there you are. Fine. Great. Uh, personnel, I know, like, after this, after Salisbury comes out, I know we lose Keith Baker as a drummer, yeah. uh, and we get Ian Clark. So I, I don't know yeah. what that means, because those guys... I don't. I don't know anything about those guys, but if, if you care about personal changes, we get a we get a new drummer after Salisbury comes out, but it's after the release. What I remember is like a while ago when I was not like that good with like actually speaking and understanding English. I borrowed from like a friend of a friend. I borrowed like an old old VHS tape of like a Uriah Heep band documentary, and it's very interesting to listen to that because all of those people have the most atrocious British accents you can imagine, <laughs> like. Really Really, like hardcore British accents from all kinds of, you know, working class accents. It's mm. it's it's ridiculous. And <laughs> and they're talking about 
how they start the band and how Uriah Heep has the reputation for being like the least musical of those like hard rock bands from the 70s. The band that is like, you know, the least technical, I guess. The, right. the ones that like only use like three chords or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you know, we, we didn't know what we we're doing. It just like sounded good. And we're just like figuring out as we went along and stuff. It's 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 very funny to listen to that kind of conversation of those people. And it's like you have a lot of like lineup changes in Uriah Heep over the time. It's like Mick Box, the guitar player, is the one person keeping the whole thing going, I guess. Right. Um, but and then obviously like Ken Hensley. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say because he gets credit for uh he gets credit for Lady in Black, which is like it's it's weird because it, it's polarizing in reviews. Like they like I've I've read both sides of it where people are like, "Oh, this is a fucking travesty. Why would they put this on the album?" And then other people are like, "This is a goddamn masterpiece." Like we need more well, stuff like Lady in Black. I guess we'll we'll talk about Lady in Black next episode because it's on Demons and Wizards, isn't? It? No, it's no, on, shit, no, it's on, it's on this. It's on this. I keep confusing it. No, it's uh, <laughs> right. It's on Salisbury. <laughs> No, so Lady in Black, I think, is apart from like being the one song that like everyone that is playing guitar learns the first because it only has like two chords. It's got three chords anyway. I think it's it's a masterpiece because yeah. it is it is absolutely efficient. It is an incredibly catchy song using the minimum of like technical stuff, and it works, and it's so powerful, and you can't get it out of your head. I was gonna, the imagery that it, it uh, that it yeah. So the dude's like in this war torn area, and then just this yeah. per, like this this woman give me obviously. horses to trample down my enemies. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fucking metal song. I'm telling it you, is. it's it so is. good. It absolutely is. It, it is a masterpiece. Uh, and then obviously, and I, I'll speaking of horses, I'll beat this one. Um, you know how much I love long songs. They're so so. Such my favorite, but mm. um, you have to listen to the title track. It's like it Braveheart. You have to watch it at least once. You have to listen to Salisbury at least once because yeah. it's so good. Yes, it's hard to get through 16 minutes of fucking music, but it's so good and so <laughs> worth it. And like, it, yeah. it made me laugh when you say like they're not that technically like on their instruments and they have a fucking full-blown orchestra in Salisbury out of nowhere. It's such a great track. Well, like, that's the point. It's like, that's their reputation. They're obviously way better than their reputation at that yeah. point. But that's like, like compared to, you know, Jethro Tull that are fairly progressive and Deep Purple that have people like Richie Blackmore on there that are like very like technical guitar players. And it's sort of like when stuff like Yes and Genesis start also at the same, you know, when the whole like progressive rock scene starts getting off yeah like taken off so they are fairly basic in a lot of stuff but that doesn't mean they're like you know they're not like a three chord punk band right my final note was literally you had like please god listen to the the title track once i don't yes i would never put it on a playlist because it's like again <laughs> four hours long and you would need a nap in between it but but it, it's definitely an amazing song for sure hey, you go and listen to that one it's 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 well worth it yeah. I hate to get all your recommendations out early. Uh, we go to Jethro Tull's Aqualung, March 19th, 1971. 11 yes. tracks, 42 minutes, 55 seconds. And this is the expanded but somehow limited version. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> they, it, they say it's an expanded version, but it has pretty much just two extra songs on it and not probably wind up in something else right yeah uh i can't remember it yeah it's, it's like literally two extra tracks but yeah um but not nearly as much as every expanded uh version of it that was actually released on vinyl or disc 
So there's like, uh, I mean, the one that I personally really love is they they're doing like a general like Jethro Tull re-release series with like usually like these like diggy books like 60 page book hardcover with like five discs and remixed by Stephen Wilson of Porcupine Tree who. I actually really hate, but that's a different thing. Um, but they're really good. And they have like the album plus bonus tracks, but plus the original mix and all kinds of other stuff. But that's sort of like the definitive kind of version that you want to check out if you can get it. Because right now, I mean, they're limited and they're super hard to get at this point. I just got lucky when I got, got that one. Right. right. And uh, aside from the title track, I mean, a lot of this album is very folky. It's very acoustic. Um, so just know that going into it you're not going to get your hardcore metal album that you're looking for of course this is 71 so you're not going to get that anyways but but this is a very acoustic driven very folky album except for that title that title track just hits so hard that 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 title i mean that opening riff is very heavy very very metal yes and what what jeff Toll does in general like jeff Toll does like two things for later metal which is why i put them on here with that album in particular i mean obviously it's you know the the opening riff is like da, 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 da. bam that's just like really fucking heavy for the how time. many times do you sing sitting on a park on bench, bench. Yeah. <laughs> um so that that one definitely is important but there's two things on the one hand it's actually like jeff told bring in that like folk part of it the like Celtic folk melodies and stuff that we see in like later folk rock, folk punk, folk heavy metal, like Skyclad and whatever comes after that in like the whole folk metal scene. And the other side is compared to the other bands at the time. I mean, there's stuff going on in, you know, your Black Sabbaths, like War Pigs and whatnot. But um, Jethro Tull is the one band that drags in politics into heavy metal. And that's important to to be aware of because heavy metal has always had that political side. Right. Um, I, I don't want to start like a discussion of politics in general right now, but the thing is like, there's always been that politics side to things. Right. And Jeffro Toll is the band that drags it. You know, you're like, you have your like Satanist stuff going on with Black Sabbath most of the time. You have your fantasy side going on with Uriah Heep and you have your like rock and roll side going on with Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and Jeff Toll is bringing in the politics. And that entire album is very much politics, sociopolitics and anti-religious. You listen to a song like My God and that's like a fairly intellectual but also fairly accurate criticism of like organized religion compared to your like Black Sabbath style like turn the cross upside down kind of Satan, dumb Satanism. And that's sort of what, what, what Jeffra Toll brings to the table at the time. Now, they go into like all kinds of weird places afterwards, which is why we'll probably not talk about Jeffra Toll again in this podcast. Right. I would still urge you to go and listen to all those albums because oh, yeah. Jeffra Toll is one of the best bands out there. I just pre ordered their new album. They're bringing out a new album next month. It's called The, the Zealot Gene. So you can kind of guess what that will be about. <laughs> so, and and this is a thing where it's very, uh, it's very rush. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, for me, like not not the album, the, the sound mm-hmm. is not very rush. What I'm saying is like rush yeah. gets a lot of heavy metal appeal. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. who enjoy heavy metal fucking listen to rush because you know we identify yes. with that. And I really think it's the same for Jethro Toll. It's yes. just that 
they're never going to hit that. Uh, I, I don't want to say never because I, I don't know, but I'm just <laughs> saying they're not going to hit the metal level that, that you're expecting, right? So it's yeah. uh, not to be covered on this podcast. But yes, absolutely go listen to Jethro Tull because it's good stuff, man. You, you, you owe it to yourself to go listen to a good band like, like Jethro Tull. Everything that Jethro Tull released in the 70s is good. Like all of it. Uh, I I was gonna point out him forty three, uh, locomotive breath once it gets up to speed because I know there's a little bit of a climb at the beginning of it, but once he starts getting into it, that's a fucking banger for sure. Like, yeah, definitely. My God, Cross Eyed Mary. There's there's like an Iron Maiden B side from I have no idea, like the nineties, I think. Well, Iron Maiden covered Cross Eyed Mary as a B side to one of the um the Blaze Bailey album singles. I- I've not I've forgotten which single, but that's that's sort of when Iron Maiden went back and covered Cross-Eyed Mary from the album. Mm. It's it's one of those say like Jethro Tull, there's Wishbone Ash, there's a bunch of those 70s bands that are always cited as an influence for a lot of like 80s metal bands. And Jethro Tull is one of those, which is why I wanted to have them in here to talk about because they're like they're an inspiration. They're not metal, but they're yeah. definitely like what made metal metal. Uh, the only other thing, because you brought up Cross-Eyed Mary, I wasn't going to, but the <laughs> vocals in there are like, that's good stuff, dude. That voice is is pretty ridiculous in, in Cross-Eyed Mary. Like, Ian, and, Ian and, Anderson can be very, very angry when he yeah. wants to. <laughs> the dude can also play, uh, he plays a mean flute. Like, he's a, he's a, yeah. he's a train flautists and i it's all through it you can hear it like probably the most metal use of a flute i think i've ever heard <laughs> in three years now <laughs> right two years there's others out there but he so here's the thing is like <laughs> I, I was supposed to do an interview with ian anderson on the phone and it, it it never got published there's a bunch of reasons for that one of them is that i actually broke my tape recorder after that Aww. so i can't and the tape is broken. The other is that it's very difficult to actually cut out all the um, stuff that is probably not publishable. Right. Because that was like, it was supposed to be like a 30 minute interview and it was like a 45 minute rant of Ian Anderson talking about um, Formula One racing, uh, foreign policy towards Russia, um, the advantages and disadvantages of public transport and other things. Is <laughs> It was incredibly interesting, right? But it was supposed to be about like fifty years of Jeff Lotol, and we didn't get a lot. We didn't get a lot of that. It was it was still an amazing um, experience, and I'd love to talk to the guy again. It, it, uh. I, I have like nothing but respect for him. Oh, and I saw like last time I saw Jeff Lotol was in a um, in a Roman amphitheater in Athens. So I went to Athens to see Manowar. Uh, I actually went there to also see. Um, Battle Roar opening for Man of War because Battle Roar were supposed to play at my festival. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fly to Athens and then I'm going to see Man of War and Jethro Tull and Rhapsody of Fire for 35 oh, euros. Wow. And uh, then I went there and then I found out like the next day Jethro Tull was playing in the Herodion, which is the amphitheater of Herod, like not the biblical Herod, but a different Herod. And I'm like, there's still tickets for that. And I'm like, I got a ticket and then I, I sat in like an old amphitheater on the Acropolis in Athens and watched Jeff Toll. And that was so good. Fucking A, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And then the only other thing that the other thing I take away from this, like, because we we smashed the last half of uh, Led Zeppelin three. We both talked a lot of shit about Led Zeppelin trying to do folk yeah. at the end of the the mm. album. Listen to this album, and you'll understand exactly why we don't think Led Zeppelin should play folk. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at the end exactly. of their third album because it's night and day it really is night and day and it makes me hate oh god fucking hats off to roy harper is such a bad song when you listen to something like this like just plant just destroying all the acoustic guitar with the stupid voice is just <laughs> to be fair ian anderson is not exactly an amazing over-the-top vocalist no no <laughs> And that, like, so, and it was funny too, like, Crowside Mary, I, um, and this is a terrible way to compare it. I actually, it sounds like Matt, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, one of the boys from the South Park. Like, when he does that jokey, singing yeah. voice, it's yeah. almost the same pitch. Like, it really sounds like <laughs> one of the South Park boys, yeah. like, making fun of that genre, but it's, yeah. it works so well. Uh, for this album, mm. especially like Cross-Eyed Mary. When you go back and actually look at the lyrics and look at what that song is about, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. That's like the other side of this. Is like what I said when I said like, this is a political album. This album is like from first song to the last song. This album is not pulling any punches anywhere. No. This is a very, very serious album. A song that I used to sing on bus uh, coming, like going back and forth to school and stuff like that, like Aqualung, when it would come on and you're singing along, like sitting on a park <laughs> bench and then like now as an adult looking at those <laughs> lyrics where little girls with bad intent. Yes, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, they fucking played this on the radio? Holy shit. Now, I mean, obviously, there's the whole uh, Ian showing up and, and telling him, you know, giving him some praise and stuff like that and telling him not to worry and shit, uh, you know, yeah. later on in the song. But, oh, my God, like, those those lyrics, I'm like, they fucking let me sing that when I was a kid? Holy shit. <laughs> That's, like, the other side, though, is, like, when you when you look at the cover artwork and you have, like, Aqualung sitting there and oh. he's drawn like Ian Anderson, right? It's, yeah. it's basically Ian Anderson as that homeless person on the board so I, I i thought uh there was discussion about that too oh my god we're dwelling on this album mm -hmm. too much but <laughs> but they were it was supposed to be a photo and i think someone opted to just do the illustration and then mm -hmm. later on they they were still like kind of remiss that they didn't do the photo version of it so um but i yeah. fucking love i mean the illustration version is really good and especially yes. when you know like that's a title character like it mm -hmm. it really is a good cover yeah it's a good cover, it, and it's it's as I said, like it's definitely one of the the most important albums of the nineteen seventies. Absolutely. And as much as I love all the other Jeffro Toll stuff from the seventies that we'll never talk about here because it's not heavy metal, but like <laughs> stuff I'm so like, sorry, I know. It's like, well, we we got to focus, but still, like go and listen to Thick as a Brick, which is a masterpiece, and then like the folk stuff, like you know, Minstrel in the Gallery, um, Heavy Horses is fantastic a storm watch all of that stuff is great even like a passion play which is like when jeff atoll went all off the rails like yeah let's let's do let's do a progressive rock opera <laughs> based on a medieval passion play about what happens after death in that liminal space between death and the life after death oh, wow. and it's crazy over the top the overall level of like what is possible is sort of what like Jeffrey Hall's show all the time. It's like you can you can go wherever you want. That's like the other side that like heavy metal takes away from it. It's like you want to do concept albums. You want to go 
crazy and do insane things, just go ahead and do it. And that's sort of what, what Jethro Tull brings to the table as well. It's like the sky's the limit when it comes to like your imagination. Uh, what you get next? Thin Lizzy. Thin Liz, they're Ooh. self-titled, uh, April oh, yeah. 30th, 1971, so yeah. four years literally before my wife was born, this album comes out. <laughs> uh, ten tracks, 34 minutes, 44 seconds. Uh, <laughs> this was the 2010 remastered expanded version, uh, which basically just includes the New Day EP, uh, and then it has a couple of like 1977 overdubbed and remixed versions yeah. of the song. But yeah. I, to be honest, like I prefer the original versions as opposed to the overdubbed versions yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cool as fuck, literally all the way through. Like, uh, not, not the thin Lizzie that you expect, not the, the boys are back in town, not, not whiskey in a jar. It's just just smooth, man. Like I, I think I've played honesty is no excuse, 132 times this week for sure. <laughs> like it's probably one of my. Well, that's favorite the thing. Is like F- Phil Linnett is is definitely the smoothest um, singer in 70s hard rock. Like, uh, it, as a dude who <laughs> likes, uh, like. I like singers a lot. Like my brother and I go back and forth. My brother likes, you know, the beats and stuff like that, like the riffs and, and stuff. And I, I hone in on the singers and like just fucking fell in love with Phil Lynott in, in this, uh, in this album. Loved it. The opening track that has like the, the spoken word and then it goes into song and then you just got literally nonstop awesome all the way through. I loved it. <laughs> Couple of missteps. Yeah. I mean, not not like a perfect album or anything. There's some weaker tracks on there. Um, I know Ray Gun isn't really looked at as a as a super strong track on there. I think. Um, but man, loved me some Thin Lizzy for sure. That was a good find. <laughs> find like it's a... <laughs> no one's ever heard of this Thin Lizzy before. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and pull back. And and this is a band like uh like we know because Metallica or at least I do because Metallica covered a couple of their songs and then finally to go back and see like and even then like when I wanted to start out in the 80s and I hear is it Lightning to uh Lightning to the Nations is there 1980 is it them Lightning no. to the Nations is uh, Diamond Head no what's the other it's a 1980s album they put out I think um oh Thunder and Lightning. Thunder and lightning. I knew there was some sort Thunder of implement. Thunder and lightning. <laughs> it's so exciting. That it's. I, I love that one. It's so good. Yeah, I knew there was some sort of inclement weather involved. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's it's thunder and lightning. Goddamn, yeah. it's so exciting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's 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 not that, and I I love it. I love that we start Thin Lizzy back here. Just being super cool and getting us through some some rock tracks. I mean, on, honestly, and that's like like what Thin Lizzy do is the same thing that um, uh, Wishbone Ash do when it comes to like um, the influence on heavy metal is um, to bring a bit of the folk, but mostly to bring the twin guitars, the the double lead guitars is what like both Thin Lizzy and Wishbone Ash bring into heavy metal, gotcha. which we then see with like bands like Iron Maiden. And, and so forth but like the the <laughs> harmony guitar is sort of what comes there nice so good oh yeah are you ready to move on mm-hmm. i have budgie self-titled as well that's uh mm-hmm. so this is weird too because it's uh they cite june 1971 but wikipedia says july 30th of 1971 that's a whole month difference who knows so if someone gotten probably like what june 29th or something like that just so they can classify it as june or or they're like oh i think it was june or july it was the summer fuck it um who knows but like but that's the thing it's like with 
in those days, depending on where you are, like release dates are sort of like very fast. And I remember when we started the podcast yeah. for the 1980s and I'm like, you asked me for like my top five and I'm like, is the first Sarah Dungle album from 1980 or not? And I tried to find out. <laughs> and what, what I ended up doing is asking a friend who's friends with Robert Garvin, the drummer of Sarah Dungle. And he's like, so when did that thing actually come out? And he's like, it was supposed to come out in 19, 1980, <laughs> but the vinyl pressing took so long and we picked up the packages then and then. And he actually sent a picture of the original card like the original package with the shipping label when they <laughs> when they picked up the vinyls for frost and fire oh. <laughs> that, that's the level of research we do on this podcast <laughs> sometimes 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 uh eight <laughs> yeah. tracks 40 minutes 54 seconds long uh this mm-hmm. would be the 2013 remastered uh but it still only has the original eight tracks uh which is weird because 2004 we had a remaster that gave us four bonus tracks yeah crash course and brain surgery we got two versions of new disintegrating uh, parachutist woman. Try saying that five mm-hmm. times fast. Uh, and then the 2003 version of Guts, which I, I don't, that's probably just another remaster version of yeah. Guts. But yeah. but yeah, so we don't get those four tracks on the album that I listened to, which wasn't on the original vinyl anyways. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that everything in my heart doesn't count as a song. It's like what a minute long or something like that. And yeah, it's. I mean, the, the lyrics are there. It's it's halfway decent, but I I just I don't know. To me, a song has to be at least ninety seconds long. <laughs> I don't. It's just so short. <laughs> so I don't really count it as a song. And so I, when was the last time you listened to a grindcore album? <laughs> I, yeah. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> but, and, and I did some research. So you're talking about the level of research that we do here. I isolated both <laughs> everything in my heart and the author, which is the track that follows it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I want to make the case that everything in my heart is a intro to the author. I think it, yeah. it bleeds in because you, you yeah. lose the last half second of fucking, uh, everything in my heart. If you just listen to that track and then you get the art <laughs> literally <laughs> in, in author, uh, if you just yeah. start that song. So I'm going to, I'm going to say those two I mean, songs. I, from- I guess like the big question there though is, um, how much of that is like a digital bias? Because like on the vinyl, you can't actually separate those things. Yeah. That good point. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like how much of that is like us having either a CD or a streaming service or whatever. And like, those are different tracks now. Like on right. vinyl, you don't even care. <laughs> God, I, I, I don't want to go that. So I, I've, I've talked about going into vinyl collecting and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know if I could deal with that where you just have to guess like, <laughs> Oh, I think the song starts about here or, or just like, well, if I want to yeah, listen to this, I, I gotta. I, I know what you mean. I don't want to go into that either because vinyl collecting is its whole own mess. Yeah. But with, with something like that, you can understand how the switch from analog to digital actually has a meaning. Yeah. Like on a, a very, like on a level that can actually pick up that is beyond just the sound. It's like, yeah, shit. No, suddenly you actually need to decide where a track begins and where a track ends. <laughs> <laughs> or where to cut off like that yeah, deep exactly. inhale or <laughs> that was talking about <laughs> now if you listen so why to aren't fun- we recording on fucking vinyl <laughs> <laughs> uh, send it out send it out to the faithful on fucking vinyl 
<laughs> half a year later. I From there, I just go into the standout tracks, which obviously the opening track, Guts. I fucking love that song. That's a mm. great song. Uh, in fact, I almost, I, I think I'm going to put it on the playlist. Uh, please do. New Disintegrating Parachutist Woman. If only for the title, but the song's actually really fucking <laughs> good too. Homicidal Suicidal, another one. You get those nice riffs in there. I uh, mm. really start to see where they have uh, yeah. that heavy metal influence and stuff. Yeah. And then I picked Crash Course and Brain Surgery, which is an illegal pick for me because it's technically a single and we didn't get it on this album. But knowing <laughs> yeah. that that's where it came from, like, I, I fucking love that song. And very bassy. It's a very bassy song, which I love. Yeah, definitely. So... I mean, like Budgie in general is very bassy because I mean they're like a they're a three piece, right? So that that's part of why the bass is so prominent, fairly powerful. Yeah. But like what Budgie does is like apart from like just writing extremely good songs, is um to always have that like slight edge of madness in there that you don't get with like most of the seventies bands. Most of the seventies bands we're talking about here are fairly controlled. Right. At least when it comes to recording stuff, you know, like Led Zeppelin might be out of control when it comes to like all their like extra, you know, at, like backstage <laughs> behavior and whatnot. And but like when you look at like the music, all of those bands, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Jethro Tull, Urahip, those bands are fairly controlled. And Budgie is the one band that never, ever cares about any fucking thing they just like do whatever they want they they have like ridiculous song titles they have like ridiculous songs they have like fucking incredibly weird fucking cover artworks over the years <laughs> uh i only know of the bird obviously from the no no it's not even a bird it's like a bird man riding a lion or something like that. i don't know what the fuck it is <laughs> well that's the point like you know they're, they're like yeah whatever let's go <laughs> Yeah, just uh, and I would definitely that's that's another out, and it snuck up on me because you you said first of all I didn't think we had it, I didn't think I was yeah. going to get it on Spotify, and you're yeah. like, hey, make sure we cover Budgie. Well, we have to anyways; they're on the archives, and I'm like, I'm glad I fucking went back and listened to Budgie because I would have never. Uh, thanks, Kylo, for speaking <laughs> over me, but um, <laughs> no, I just I, I never would have been aware of that, especially like where, where Crash Course comes from. I was like, yeah. but to me, it's just an awesome cover that Metallica did, and now knowing yeah, Source. Well, that, now you know. Now I know. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Now, that's like what I said. Like, the Metallica cover is great, but like, the original is also like... Oh. And that's like sort of what I, what is so amazing with Budgie is like for the band that no one knows, they're so fucking heavy. I got Black Sabbath's Master of Reality, uh, July oh, 21st, yeah. 1971. All right. Eight tracks, 34 minutes, 27 seconds. Uh, and this is just the 2014 remaster, which is actually true to your guys' European release. So um, <laughs> just, just full on, it was literally what you guys have got. Over in twenty, uh, over in the original time. So, uh, I know my wife officially hates the opening cough to Sweet Leaf. She, she <laughs> fucking goes mad every time that hacking comes on. What the fuck is that? Is that music? No, the music's about to come. Hold on. <laughs> like <laughs> after Forever was a great track on here, and actually, uh, definitely. Funny to me because, like you know, at up to, up until this point, Black Sabbath is largely painted as a sat satanic band. And uh, is it uh, who wrote that? The uh, Butler. Butler, I think. Butler, wrote yeah. It. yeah, he's a he's a Catholic and <laughs> wrote a Christian song, which I thought was amazing. And it just sounds 
I mean, <laughs> Ozzy does it justice uh, vocally for sure. To be fair, a lot of like really incredible heavy metal musicians have been Catholics. <laughs> Had been like past tense, like they were Catholic and now they're not anymore. <laughs> I mean, they're still they're still Catholics, but yeah. most of them are currently not writing that many songs. But like Tom Araya from from Slayer is Catholic, Geezer Butler is Catholic. I mean, which is fine, right? You know, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I just I think it's funny because they, uh, like I said, they they get painted as a satanic band, and no, I mean these are do gooder Christians that you would you know meet meet anywhere really. I mean they're just playing really awesome music on site. So if you want to do like the whole the whole like occult whatever thing, and you're still Christian. Catholicism is definitely the better choice than any form of Protestantism. Right. And I'm not saying this because I'm a baptized Catholic. I'm just <laughs> saying that more ritual is definitely more occult. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's kind of the point there is like Catholicism is super weird. Right. right. Um, and we have all those rituals and you you wave around, you take around all these like reliquaries and whatnot. It it is so much closer to anything that is heavy metal than just like having a pastor in like a suit standing there. That's just not as metal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, this is another dispute that I have. Embryo being considered a song, it's 28 seconds long. And to me, it's just more nah. of like a, an intro to Children yeah. of the Grave, even though there's a hard stop. But I mean, I still consider it an intro to another song. Uh, Orchid is a instrumental that is very mm. good, by the way. Uh, held my attention all the way through. I love it. It's Orchid. also one that gave name to like an amazing doom band of the last decade. That's also called Orchid. Mm. That has a lot of like Black Sabbath influences, obviously. Right. But the first Orchid album that was out on my friend's label, um, like Doom Dealer's label, I keep the Church Within. That's his name, uh, the label of his name. He's just Doom Dealer for us. But that's like the Church Within. And then they moved to Nuclear Blast and they released one second album. And then nothing happened. But that first album is so good. Uh. Very powerful. <laughs> I have Solitude uh, noted as well for the people who liked uh, Planet Caravan on the last album. Solitude is definitely there, definitely in the same vein. So I I really like this album. It's like, a, I mean, aside from that little embryo being classified as a different album. Oh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, which was funny, is like, speaking of us Americans changing everything, uh, yeah. they have... They literally sell this as like an 11 track album and they separated out all like the musical intros and outros as separate tracks. <laughs> so they would like, oh, the ending part of Children of the Grave, that's actually a separate song. It's not, it's not, <laughs> but, but no. when they gave us the album, they're like, no, you get 11 tracks. And you're like, oh, look at all these awesome fucking songs. No, it's just the rest of the fucking song. Why, why have I? <laughs> I I don't well, know. That's what happens if you're in the clutches of consumer capitalism. Because more is more. Yeah, we got three more extra tracks than you got. No, no. No, you don't. <laughs> but other than that, like I said, just solid album mm -hmm. all the way around for sure. Um I have Deep Purple. This is actually our final album for the uh for the day. Uh Fireball. Fire fucking bull. Came out on my birthday in nineteen seventy one. Uh right. so what was that eleven eleven years before I was born. Uh seven tracks, forty minutes, twenty-five seconds. Uh this is the non-European release. I say that because it's got strange kind of woman on there instead of demon's eye. So I believe oh, okay. UK gets demon's eye. Uh 
and and we don't. We get strange kind of woman. Which I went back and listened to Demon's Eye, and I would have gladly taken both, especially when we're getting ready to talk about anyone's daughter. Which uh, I I know I want to say Gillen said he was it was one of his favorite tracks, but he thought it was a mistake that it went on. Someone said they thought it was a mistake it went on the album because it doesn't fit at all with the flow of the rest of the album uh, so, so the, the one that i got um on cd is definitely one that has demon's eye on it so you got the you got the uk version then well i have like i have like i have like a remastered version and it has like oh you have both you have it, ha- it has of... 16 tracks there's a ton oh. of like bonus tracks i found that the title track was reminiscent of speed king which is really awesome uh now that i know what to expect as far as like just the music and vocals hitting you right up front uh at the same time very in sync that was uh that was really nice uh anyone's daughter which again is my favorite track off the album but at some point someone said they didn't think it belonged on there i gotta find it there's yeah but i i love it i think it's a really good fit Mm mm-hmm no, I take that back. Not a good fit. It's a good track. I'm glad that it's on there because <laughs> yeah. elsewise we wouldn't get it. But but I'm saying it, it it does. It's very much like a Planet Caravan or a Solitude on a Black yeah. Sabbath album. It's just it just sticks out like a sore thumb because it's not at yeah. all like the rest of the album. But the opening for Fireball is just like that's sort of like what is influential when it comes to heavy metal is how the the opening for Fireball and like the power that Deep Purple actually got into stuff at the time oh yeah it's sort yeah. of what like kind of moved on to heavy metal it's like you can just like go fast and <laughs> crazy fast <laughs> and noisy and have like all the distortion in there and go all over the place you know and that's the one thing that really sets them like now in in retrospect because of mm-hmm. course this is like the first time hearing that like when we talk about our other bands that we we've talked about like your your black sabbaths your, your yeah uh like mm-hmm. the raw power you get from a deep purple opening track like fireball or speed king is just yeah it's it's so weird in comparison because it's so different than everything else that's out out there yeah that's exactly what the purple has apart from just like the sheer musicality and like the baroque stuff that uh, blackmore does on guitars like the just like the level of just like sheer violence and energy that they actually bring to the table at the time is just insane and then my only uh i have fools uh just that i would have loved fools a lot more if it was if we could shave that first 90 seconds off <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but but a really good track. I mean, Fools is a really good track for sure. But if they would have just separated the two, uh, appeased the digital mindset that I have, uh, so I could just skip it, the the first yeah. ninety seconds. Uh, I, I Fools is a really good song. Probably yeah. uh, one of one of the few times that I would excuse an over eight minute song is 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 Fools because it's such a good. And just a solid album. It's hard to like, God, I hate (laughs) being so nitpicky about such a solid album that I'm like, oh, Fools just dragged on for so long and now I'm going to have to call this a (laughs) shitty album or not so perfect, but... But no, nah, it, it's worth it. I mean, Fools is such a good track. Nah. Um, on the other hand, like the next one we're going to talk about is Machine Heads. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which that's got a couple. Of, I, I I don't want to get into it now. I don't want to spoil it. We have two weeks of anticipation. We can build up the cliffhanger that we're going to be talking about Machine Head. So get yourself Machine Head the album, not Machine Head the band. Right. <laughs> 
Yes. Because <laughs> one of them's actually really good and one of them turned shit over the years. I was gonna and that's also <laughs> when do we get the I thought mm-hmm. there was a uh what's the next then Lizzie album? I thought that was that's got their big song on there yet, doesn't it? Or is it later? Sorry, I was drinking beer. No, that's fine. <laughs> You're allowed to do that. We encourage that here. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. We don't get that back until we don't get that until 75. Okay. I don't know which Thin Lizzy album you were talking about. The boys though. are back in town is like one of their big breakout hits. That's how we. That's, that's how it becomes its. I don't know. For us, it becomes a household name. I would say Black Rose is their best song ever, though. That's exactly where it's at. I mean that that doesn't change like the the year thing, but like Rose Rose and Dub Black Rose is exactly the one that you really need to listen to mm. when it comes to Thin Lizzy. Okay, I'm gonna test. Where's that at? <laughs> what uh, what year is that? That's on God. It's not on Jailbreak. I think it's also not on Johnny the Fox. As if we had like the means to look this up real quick. Hold on. I'm 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 not <laughs> good with album stuff because. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Hold on, I'm finding out. Give me a second. Hold on. Stand by. Well, it's actually on Black Rose. That makes a lot of sense when you think about oh. it. <laughs> you mean the song that you're talking about is on the album that you're... Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. <laughs> so good it was the title track. It has, big surprise, a sound that is called S&M. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's also got like Waiting for an Alibi, which is really cool. Where is? Oh, and okay. Got to give it up, which is like so fucking personal for, you know, Phil in it trying to deal with heroin. Oh, shit. We got to wait till like almost the end of the first season before we get to that. That's 1979. So we're literally one of the last <laughs> albums we covered. Wait, 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 we have seasons now? Well, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to like the so 70s because we're going to talk about yeah. every year pretty much. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> No, but I, I was like, so every 13 episodes or so, I think that would be a season. And so we're going to wrap up the 70s. Yeah. That would be the end of but season do, one. Do we get like season finals with like everyone dancing and having fancy clothes and stuff? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Like, or like we'll bring up past reoccurring characters that you haven't seen in a while. We'll be like, oh, remember when this guy was on the. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Uh, Raph, that, that's all I have. I mean, other than I think we covered seven great fucking albums in 1971. Yes. We are ramping up. The sound is coming alive. I, I'm excited for 72. Yeah. It sucks that we have to wait. 72 is going to be so fantastic. We're going to talk about Demons and Fucking Wizards by Uriah Heep. <sighs> so good. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're going to talk about Heart Attack by Dust. We're going to talk about so many good albums. Machine Head. <laughs> the album. The album, not the band. Not the band. <laughs> <laughs> like uh so we always said this one's all good <laughs> wow uh so we end the episode giving a cheers i do want to give some holiday cheers see see what yes. i did there um dude i hope you have a good holiday seriously have a good christmas <laughs> have fun in helsinki you're going in the next two weeks right no well, no, no i'll I'll stay here before we record the next okay, one and good. then i'll go to helsinki gotcha. i'll just send out mega colossal cds until the end of the year <laughs> Uh, but yeah, dude, have seriously, have a good holiday and, uh, and cheers. Seriously. You too, my friend. <laughs> cheers.